1: 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash. What is going on, my people? John Middlecop, Three and Out podcast. Kind of a somber night. Uh, I flipped on the television at 5.20. It's a routine I've had for the last, I don't know, 14, 15 weeks. And I realized that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were not gracing me with their presence. So I would have no, and I I speak for all of us, we have no more Thursday Night Football. And I I know that it's been fun in the the media and Twitter world and social media to crush Thursday Night Football. But damn, man, I, I miss it. Uh, and tonight sucked, uh, just in, uh, I, I'm still recording this late, not quite as late as I typically would, but man, uh, not, not cool, not cool at all. I attempted to watch the Rockets, Miami Heat, it just did not do it for me. Now, I, I guess if we're going to go out on top, last week was a damn good game to go out on top for. But, uh, you know, as someone that puts together a podcast, The great part about doing, you know, one on Tuesday and Friday is the game always gave me a couple topics. And for the most part, especially Thursday night games, we've had excellent matchups the majority of the season. Uh, So there's been like, I mean, legitimate national topics and just things that were interesting to me. uh, And now we don't have that. So it it, it makes me sad, but we, we still got a lot of other stuff to talk about today that I'm fired up on. I'm going to try to get to a a big Middlecoff mailbag, uh, answer a bunch of you guys' questions, may, may do the majority of the podcast, uh, toward, toward definitely toward the end, uh, at John Middlecoff, slide up into my Instagrams, my Instagram DMs, and I will answer any question on the podcast. But uh, I, w- I want to start with this, a couple things. The big news of Thursday w- was Josh Gordon. And my overall take on Josh Gordon, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to offend anyone here. I'm not trying to sound controversial, uh, but this is just a life philosophy I have. Uh, I, I know a couple people that have battled uh, addictions, and I'm sure most of us either have someone in our family or, you know, secondhand. We know people. So, like, again, I clearly, it's, it's a major problem in this country. But in terms of doing business with people— I, I don't have much compassion in the sense that I would never do business with an addict. Not, not knowingly do business with an addict. And, uh, you know, people are like, I wonder what Belichick's thinking today. He is emotionally unfazed. He knew exactly what he was getting into bed with with Josh Gordon. He knew he might have him for a game. He might have him for two games. He might have him for two months. He might have him the rest of the season. But he knew he was going to lose him eventually. And he did not care. Because at the end of the day, I I got news for you. And listen, I'm not, I'm probably preaching the choir here. He's a stone cold killer, and he does not care. Uh, he he knew the moment that he traded a fifth round pick for him what he was acquiring. Now I, I think it was a little shocking, and it's just the nature of the NFL is you never know quite when these things are going to happen. To me, the bigger issue with the Patriots uh, is seeing everyone freak out. Oh my God, the demise of the Patriots. And it's clear they do not have the same level of team, definitely in the Super Bowl teams of several years ago, and even the 12, 13, and 14, some of those teams, once they really got rolling. I think they're, they've been to eight straight AFC championships. feels like they've been to every Super Bowl the last five years. But this is not a great year for the Patriots. You know, it's 9-5, and five. It, you know, to their standards. Got to living in the Bay Area. I'm jealous of their standards. It feels like they have two wins. But it, it, to, is it really that crazy? Like, Warren Buffett has a bad year. Like, Michael Jackson made a bad album. You know? Like, they, they can't be perfect every year. Is, is it that nuts for them just to finish 11-5 and five one year and lose in the first round of the playoffs? Like, is, is it that crazy? O- honestly. Like, has ever, every product Apple's ever produced feels like lately they're sweet. But they've had some duds. <laughs> you know? I I, I just... I, I think the overreaction of like, it's the demise of Belichick. No, I, I, I doubt it because I, I have a couple facts on hand. He's the smartest guy in the league. He has consistently won the most. And the one thing he consistently will be able to lean on, even moving forward, is his division stinks. So he can have some He's going to be in the playoffs every year. I'll tell you the last guy in a million years I'd want to play on a Sunday of a playoff week, or you know, playoffs also play on Saturday, it'd be Bill Belichick and even a 41-year-old Tom Brady. It's not like, oh yeah, you get a down Patriots team. Yeah, that is still not the team I want to play. I'll take my chances with Mike Tomlin. I'll take my chances with Bill O'Brien. I'll take my chances with Anthony Lynn and Phillip Rivers. I don't care if I get a home game. I'm not sleeping well against the Hoodie and Tom Brady. I don't give a shit if if they're throwing to me and you. Now, again, Josh Gordon, I think it speaks more to the desperation of this team. They gave a fifth-round pick for a guy that who knows if he was going to make it through, like I said, two weeks, let alone he made it as far as he did. And he showed some flashes like, damn, this could be pretty special. But we knew it was was a finite deal. I'm actually shocked it lasted as long as it did. Uh, but you know, Belichick knew what he was doing. And again, n- not Greg Maddox wasn't throwing a, you know, nine inning shutout every game, every, I mean, not as often with him, but maybe once every two months he got shelled, you know, Belichick had a bad year. I don't know. he's just had six straight great years, you know, a failure for Belichick. It feels like the last five years was losing in the Super Bowl, like last year, devastating year. He lost in the Super Bowl, where I'm pretty sure he had the lead with like five minutes to go, you know. So it's again, I think this overreaction it's it's kind of crazy, and it speaks really more to the greatness, the true greatness of the Patriots of Belichick and of this dynasty as we're like, oh my God, they are done. They're gonna finish eleven and five. They finished with the Bills and the Jets. They're a 14-point favorite this week. You know, and I, I I always I always thought with Jim Harbaugh, when people are like, Jim Harbaugh, his final year in San Francisco, failure. And it's always, you know, in my mind, spoken to the high standards in which follows Jim Harbaugh. Like, Jim Harbaugh's not allowed to have a down year. People act like his last year in San Francisco was you know, Hugh Jackson level, one-win team. He was eight and eight. And they were seven and four. Like, they stumbled down the stretch. They were eight and eight. <laughs> but again, like with Jim Harbaugh, whose standards and what follows him aren't anywhere as close to Belichick, people are just floored when shit doesn't go perfectly. And you don't win at a high level. With Belichick, it's like, if you don't win the Super Bowl, ah, red flag. I mean, I, I, again, I... In my backyard, I have the four-win 49ers and the three-win Raiders. Do you know what either one of those owners... Mark Davis thought he was paying $100 million to get Gruden to get him to 9-5, to get him to a playoff berth. Jed York would sell, I mean, his soul to make the playoffs, not with Jim Harbaugh. And so many... I mean, half the league would die for the Patriots' worst year. And this is by far just the eye test. Uh, Statistically, actually, they're not terrible. Uh, But you can watch them. You're like, they're not the same. Uh, Mainly because Gronk is a shell of himself. Brady's been somewhat, I I, I wouldn't say human, because I still think he's been pretty good. But I, I really do think that it speaks to, like, when you get to Belichick's level you have to be, I mean, just elite every year. Like, losing in the AFC Championship, as they did, what was it now, like almost three seasons ago to the Denver Broncos, is beyond devastating. A lot of teams, the majority of the NFL, these all these teams are worth several billion dollars. I mean, they wouldn't say it maybe, but they they would celebrate making it to the championship game. We've all seen the GIFs a million times because we watch it live. Belichick refuses to even touch the AFC championship trophy. It means nothing to him. I mean, it's like, it's a routine. So everyone's selling them down the river. They'll be fine. Yeah, they might lose in the first round of the playoffs. Big whoop. I mean, they've only kicked the living crap out of the NFL for the last six, seven years. They're having a down year. People also act like, Belichick brought this upon himself. Like, he just had some things that didn't go his way. He had two first-round picks this year. He drafted uh, a starting left tackle who ruptures his Achilles in training camp. So think how good their offensive line would have been if he was their starting left tackle and Trent Brown just would have stayed at right tackle. And then he drafted, which is, you know, not typical Belichick, a running back in the first round. So you'd go, damn, Belichick's drafting a running back in the first round. This guy's got to be pretty good. And I agreed with him. I, I mean, anyone that watched Georgia last year went. God, that number one, Sonny Michelle baller. He hasn't been very good. He struggled to stay healthy. Uh, he has been nowhere near what you'd expect out of a first-round pick. His teammate, I mean, they would die to have Nick Chubb. And again, I think Sony, big picture will be okay. But his rookie year has not been good. Just that simple. When you draft a guy in the first round, you expect him to be dynamic. If Sony Michelle, let's just use a hypothetical, had been the equivalent of like what Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt was last year, Patriots would probably be a two-win team, or, or I mean a two-loss team right now. We might go, God, they got an 1,100-yard rusher. They look awesome. The pressure's not on Brady. So I, a couple things, just, you know, eventually sometimes you just draft a couple You have two first-round picks. One guy gets hurt, and one guy turns out to not to be that good. Sometimes shit just goes against you, and that's what happened this year to the Patriots. He had a down year. Michael Jackson made a bad album. It happens. Okay, before we get into some of my thoughts on the Pro Bowl, are you one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst thing that can happen? You can end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high if you've been using marijuana or vapes or whatever in any form do not get behind the wheel if you feel different you drive different drive high get a DUI brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration okay let's let's talk about the Pro Bowl and I'm not going to spend much time because the story's uh, I guess a little old now when did it come out like Tuesday I think or Wednesday my my main thought is this. Listen, the, the, the initial voting on the Pro Bowl, like the initial roster to me matters. Uh, it still has and carries weight. I also think it has repercussions when you screw it up. I think it's 30% fans, 30% players, and 30% like coaches and GMs. Uh, I, I might have screwed that up, I, but it's something that that's the breakdown. Actually, that wouldn't even add up to a hundred, but somehow the breakdown, it's like a combination of the three that vote. And th- there were a couple uh, pretty glaring mistakes to me, the biggest one. And I know coward talked about it and it wasn't just about Russell Wilson should have been in. It's just in, in no world. Like I, I didn't have a problem with Tom Brady making it. Cause as I talked about the Patriots earlier, they are 9-5. and five. They're probably going to end up 11-5. and five. And, you know, who knows if Houston loses to Philly, they end up, you know, the two seed. Like, yeah, he's a pro bowler. I mean, he's their best player by a mile. He's still really good, even though he's not quite maybe as crisp as he has been before. I got no issue with Tom Brady making it. But I, I know he's thrown 25 touchdowns and two picks or whatever, and he went through that streak of not, a, not throwing a pick. But in no world, beside maybe that first game and just sporadic throws throughout the season, did I ever think that Aaron Rodgers had a Pro Bowl season. But, like, the, the implications of when you do give someone that, uh, you know, award, you let them go to the game, it goes on their Wikipedia page, and when we start nitpicking all these guys when it comes to the Hall of Fame, because a lot of guys that go to a lot of Pro Bowls get talked about, you know, When Aaron and Aaron Rodgers is a no-brainer, so that's he doesn't necessarily make my argument on this one. But on guys like Darius Leonard that missed it, the star rookie middle linebacker for the Colts, if his career ends and he only has four Pro Bowls and he got screwed out of a couple more, that could be a big difference of being a four-time All-Pro, a six-time Pro Bowler. Like that's how they discuss it in the Hall of Fame. In the uh, when they're voting at the process during the Super Bowl, like it it is a big deal, and I also think that not every position. No one really ever argues over offensive linemen because there's no stats. The new position that's sexy to to argue about is D tackles because forever defensive ends were kind of easy. You just knew who the best pass rushers are. Like everyone knew this year, Khalil Mack, right? Elite pass rusher. J.J. Watt, elite pass rusher, like clowny. I mean, it was just no-brainers. But D-Tackles this year had a bunch of sacks. So there were a bunch of guys, when the voting went down, right, week? Whatever, I mean, it comes out with still a couple weeks, I guess week 15, or when the results come out, that you go, DeForest Buckner, and I, I got this a lot in, in my backyard, DeForest Buckner, who's been awesome this year, been a really good player, did not make the Pro Bowl. And it's like, if you say, yeah, I think that the guys made it above him should have gone in. He shouldn't have made it. And everyone's like, he has 12 sacks. Like, here's the thing. And you see it all the time with Hall of Fame voting, especially in football. You saw the arguments with baseball, the Hall of Fame that recently came out, with Harold Baines getting. Because I say that you're not a Hall of Famer doesn't mean you're not a good player. Because I say, you know what, DeForest Buckner, I would have taken Aaron Donald, Akeem Hicks, and Fletcher Cox over you. Aaron Donald, no-brainer. Fletcher Cox, best player by a wide margin on the Eagles, who are currently 7-7 under the defending champs, and he's probably a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. Hakeem Hicks, like, a 3-4 defensive tackle does not parallel a 4-3 defensive tackle. When you are a 4-3 defensive tackle, especially in the scheme that DeForest Buckner's in, you get to kind of roam free. You get to just run through one gap, and just cause havoc. Do you know what Akeem Hicks has to do? He has to just take on blocks over and over and over. So Roquan Smith eats and Khalil Mack eats. But do you know what Akeem Hicks is? An absolute stone cold badass. And do you know what I think? And I've tried to tell Niner fans all week. What Akeem Hicks was this season. That you can't quantify. That we argued forever around these parts what Justin Smith was. You can't put his value in the sack column. Because every year he'd get three, four, five sacks. But if you watched Justin Smith play, every year he'd be like, the Cowboy, that is one badass mf You do not want to play the Cowboy in a big game. And it was true. Number 94 for the 49ers was a certified badass. Every coach in the league, every player in the league would tell you. Do you know what every coach and every player in the league that has come across Chicago would tell you this year? I'd want no part of 96. You know why? Because he's an elite player. His stat sheet cannot quantify what he brings to the table. What he brings to the table is a guy that's like 6'5", 6'6", 320 pounds of immovable objects. And as people in Chicago will tell you, when he's pissed off, he's unblockable. And who's coaching him? Vic Fangio. Who coached Justin Smith? Vic Fangio. So you, you, you can't quantify what he's bringing to the table. But overall, for the most part, I, I, I thought this year when you look at both rosters, you, you see a group of players— uh, most of the elite players in this league are playing at an elite level. And that's usually when you get an elite Pro Bowl team. And beside a couple snubs, and there's always going to be Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously his double-digit sacks, kind of like Buckner uh, in their third year. They, they're going to be fine. They're going to make a bunch. Now, it could cost them if they're only four-time Pro Bowlers and we start arguing for the Hall of Fame for these guys. But that's a bigger picture. Like It, it does have repercussions when when you screw this up but you can't allow everyone on the team. You don't have an unlimited amount of roster spots. I would say a uh, glass half full side of me would say, j- just look at, you know, the NFL's loaded with talent at every position. You know, I say the same thing about the NBA. Like if you're a point guard right now in the West, it's hard to make the all-star team. De'Aaron Fox for the Sacramento Kings is having an unreal season. Here's the problem. He, he's not beating out Steph Curry. He's not beating out James Harden. You know, he's not beating out a lot of these guys. The West has a lot of good point guards, like Hall of Fame all-time great point guards. Just, it sucks, but just the, the nature of the beast. You know, DeForest Buckner, one, one you'll be a Pro Bowler probably next year. Maybe, but if if you can't beat out Fletcher Cox, that is no indictment that you're not a good player. Uh, and I, I thought overall, for the most part, the Pro Bowl got it right. I, I think it's just been a incredible NFL season, just from a drama standpoint. I think it's been a, a pretty controversy-free NFL season. I mean, the Kareem Hunt thing had, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. You know, in this day and age, it felt like about 48 hours of staying power. That's a long time. Like, 24 hours is your typical story in this day and age. But it hasn't been so negative. You know, the last couple years with, with Trump and Kaepernick, like this season, for the most part, has just felt about football has felt about, is this coach doing a good job? Is this player doing a good job? What's up with Aaron Rodgers? Football stuff. And I think I speak for everyone, thank God. You know, I, I was tired of the other crap. It, it becomes, you know, it, it can just beat you down. You know, I I, and I I don't mind, like, don't get me wrong. I like, I have thoroughly enjoyed the John Gruden experience. It's been fascinating. Like, I, I don't mind rumors in, in different things what's going on, and let's call it what it is. Uh, For the most part, most of the rumors you read as fans are things, you know, most of it's true. And coaches and teams love to tell you, like, don't believe what you read. Like, a lot of stuff gets out for a reason. You know, the stuff that gets out, we usually know what's going on. That's the great part about 2018 is as a fan and as someone that watches, I mean, it's just the same deal with anything. I mean, we've never had more information. I mean, our president tweets like 50 times a day. Like we know everything that's going on, even some of the times when it's not true, you can kind of figure out what's true and what's not true. And definitely with the NFL, and it's been a been a very enjoyable season. The big, the Thursday night, the Sunday night, the Monday night games, for the most part this year, have just been fantastic. Uh, in this weekend, with the Saturday night game, uh, Chargers Ravens, and then the Sunday night game. Chiefs at Seattle. First time I think Seattle has been an underdog at home in ever since the like Russell Wilson's rookie year. I mean, ever since they kind of got that thing rolling, they are never an underdog at home. So that's a pretty big deal. And if I was picking in Vegas, to me it feels more like a coin flip game. I know it's easy to just think that the Seahawks aren't playing that well because they laid a dud at Levi Stadium. Well, a couple things. Kyle Shanahan approaches these games like the Super Bowl. Nick Mullins, for whatever reason, plays well against Seattle. And Seattle had won four straight games. And they don't they don't even have to win this Kansas City game. They have Arizona Week 17. Uh, they're going to be a playoff team. So I was texting with someone in their media up in the Northwest that was saying, uh, Curtis Crabtree was saying that he thinks that it's like, it's statistically, it's like above a 95% chance. Like, they're not losing out. They do not have to win this game. Though, I do think they might win. Like, it's... That game, to me, is more interesting than Ravens-Chargers, though obviously in the sequence with that game on Saturday night, it'll be a lot more juice for the Chiefs if San Diego, I call him San Diego, I know everyone's like, I can't believe Stephen A called him the San Diego Chargers. Like, the one thing I did not give Stephen A grief about on Twitter or even in my mind, they are always going to be the San Diego Chargers to me. They don't deserve to be called the Los Angeles Chargers, so I call them the San Diego Chargers. I think Baltimore is a weird team, and I know some players on their defense were saying, like, it's harder to game plan for Lamar than, than Patrick Mahomes. I'm calling BS on that, but the, I, I forget who it was. said, well, it's because he can throw it, and I don't think he can throw it that well, but you can't dispute he can really run it. The one thing about the Ravens is their defense is excellent. I think right now it's the number one scoring defense uh, in the NFL. The Chargers are clearly humming. Melvin Gordon's supposed to come back. Uh, I, I, you know the latest on Keenan Allen. It's, they've proven they can get by even if Keenan Allen play if he plays in this game and he's not a hundred percent, which he won't be. Uh, Mike Williams is balling. They, they, they'll be fine. They can make do. Antonio Gates just functions. I think the Chargers win that game, and then I, I think it's crazy. I, I have. I'm a, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I would love to see both these two teams go into Week 17 with both juice on the game, but I don't know. Like I, I just know having watched Seattle so closely over this run, how hard it is to go up there and win. And I Collins been pretty hard on Mahomes this week because I, I've watched basically every snap he's had this season. I mean, he's had a couple down moments, but for the most part, I think he's been brilliant. I mean, their defense is atrocious, absolutely terrible. They might have the worst defensive backs in the NFL. They can't cover anyone. Their defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton, I know he was good. I know Andy likes him, but goddamn, I mean, he feels just out of it a little bit. Uh, I would imagine no inside information on this. He retires. or Andy's not really a fire guy, but I'd be shocked if he's back next year. Feels like they'll go get some new blood or just someone new. But it, it, that's a hard place to win. I mean, Mahomes, he, he's experienced some incredibly loud games this year, right? At home. Just, I mean, that place rocks. But they don't scream when you're on the field. He is never, ever going to have heard anything quite like what he hears Sunday night. That place is going to be loud. People, it's its the holiday weekend, technically, because Christmas Eve's on Monday and then Christmas is on Tuesday so if if you were a uh, you know a Seattle Seahawk fan you're going to the game you don't care about like getting wasted I mean you don't have to work the next day morning you might get the next two days off well clearly because you're getting Christmas off you're probably just taking Monday off too you're getting lit that place is gonna be bananas at like the atmosphere for the charger game is gonna suck on Saturday it's like 30,000 per, person stadium they don't have really any fans the atmosphere Sunday night in Seattle is is going to be the complete opposite. Everyone will just be plastered. I was talking to someone in the NFL. They think, and I kind of agree, uh, that they pipe noise. I mean, it's going to be so loud, you're not even going to be able to think. I think it's going to be very, very difficult. If Patrick Mahomes wins that game, I don't care if he wins at 3 to nothing, which we know they won't win at 3 to nothing. Their defense isn't good enough. I'd give them the, I'd give them the MVP in the locker room if you go up to Seattle and win that game uh th- that would be an incredible achievement but I-, I can't wait and i think the nfl should just should be extremely happy right now because the league is humming uh a lot of the controversy and the stuff the fluff's out and and we just week after week just big time game after big time game with the best players uh, I-, I can't wait for saturday night and then i surely can't wait for sunday okay let's uh let's jump to the college the college football Recruiting, actually, uh, and, and let me state this: I've been on record from day one. I thought Chip Kelly in UCLA was a bad fit. I first off, I don't think Chip Kelly is is any longer elite, obviously at the pro level, but even at the college level, I thought it was crazy that the two heavy hitters for the UCLA program, Casey Wasserman, who's kind of their billionaire uh, donor, and Troy Aikman, you know, their most famous football alum. I mean did everything moved mountains to try to line him up and get chip Kelly to run their program. I thought god I, I I thought it was crazy uh and listen is chip a smart guy? I've always argued super smart guys are not stubborn they're open-minded and the one thing with chip is he's never really changed through the failures of from Philly to the 49ers to what he did this year with UCLA. But I said, here's the thing about UCLA. Unlike in Oregon, that already had a program that was running at a high level and was easily recruiting a lot of high-level players when he took over, it's easier to get into school at Oregon, one. And two, they cheat. Like, guess what? Chip got in trouble at UCLA. They gave Willie Lyles a brown bag full of cash to land them players. And he threw his recruiting guy under the bus for it. Chip has no problem with cheating. And don't get me wrong, neither do I. I'd cheat too if I was a college coach. I got no issue with it. It's a lot more difficult at UCLA. At UCLA, you got to do a couple things. One is you got to hustle a little bit as a recruiter. You know, because you're not even the sexiest team in your own town. And it's just difficult to sell people on your program because historically you're not that great of a football program. But I will give Jim Mora credit on this. And if you know me, I'm not a big Jim Mora guy. He did really work at recruiting. There was a famous story, Kenny Clark, who's now on the Green Bay Packers. His dad, I don't know if he's still in prison, but when he was coming out of high school, like his senior year, or while he was in high school, his dad was in prison. So they sent Jim Mora and I think the coordinator went, and they didn't have to do this, but they really wanted him to come to school. They went to prison to meet with the dad. Just to get his blessing, they wanted him to come to the program. And say one thing for Jim Mora, he couldn't coach. He could really recruit. Like they had some top 15 recruiting classes. Well, someone forwarded me this in the last 24 hours. ESPN broke down every Pac-12 school. Under UCLA, it said class unranked. You read that right. You see here, I'm I'm gonna read verbatim what this what the little blurb says. UCLA is currently unranked after the first day of early signing period. ESPN's class rankings go down to number 50, and UCLA is outside the top 50. In the talent-rich state of California, it is remarkable for the Bruins to have an unranked class this late in the process. Chip Kelly and his staff wanted to take a slow, methodical approach to recruiting, but with the early signing period, that strategy might not work. Listen, Chip Kelly despised recruiting at Oregon. But he had a couple things going for him. Again, easy to get into school. The school somewhat recruited itself, and they were really rolling. At UCLA, you have to hustle. And I get, and as people text me that are pro Chip Kelly, well, he's looking for more blue-collar, high-level guys. He's not really that into the five-star guys. He kind of wants to do what Chris Peterson did back in the day at Boise and is doing a little at Washington, which I get, The difference, I would say, is Chris Peterson works at recruiting. Chip Kelly, again, hates it. And the other thing in his division, one, he's never beaten out USC on recruits. They they, they just are not going to do that. And that school down at Tempe, Arizona, Herm Edwards, Google how he's doing in recruiting. He's killing it. Why? He's putting in effort. One, because the thing he hangs his hat on is his personality, which is the last thing Chip hangs his hat on. Personality is a dud. Everyone thinks Chip Kelly that knows him is a weird dude. Now, he can fake it when the camera's on, but he can't fake it when the camera's off. And guess where the camera's off? All year long with recruiting. It's why he's getting crushed. It's why he's getting destroyed. You know who's a good recruiter? Lincoln Riley, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Urban Meyer. You know who makes a big effort at it? Jim Harbaugh. Like You have to work at recruiting even when you're at the top schools, even when you're cheating your ass off. Kirby Smart. Chip Kelly ain't working at it, and he's getting crushed. He's getting destroyed. Now, college is a little bit about both. Like, Alabama would not be Alabama without Nick Saban. So the scheme does matter. So if Chip's an elite coach, he'll win some games. But again, I don't think he's an elite coach anymore. And one thing I know now, he's not getting the top players. So what's going to be his point of difference in the conference? Because I know this about Herm Edwards. He's not some elite X's nose coach, but he's landing dudes. So at the end of the day, if you just got dudes you can get seven, eight wins. Like, Chip Kelly struggled to win three games this year. So if he's not adding to the talent pool of the program, because when he inherited the program, even the program was down, Jim Mora had been recruiting well. I, I think the, the country and UCLA, like, don't quite realize how big of a train wreck potential, and you heard it here first. I, I hated the hire now, and the more I read into it, the more I see, which I envisioned happening, even though it's technically worse, I didn't realize. I, my theory on Gruden and Chip from the beginning was both those two guys with failure got generationally wealthy. Like Coach Reed or Mike Tomlin, they've made you know, $50, $60, $80 million, whatever, the last you know eight, nine years. Both of them had to win to get that money. Both of them had to continue to win to get... Pete Carroll's made a ton of money. You know, all Pete Carroll's done for the last, like, 20 years, win. You know, so, and they've, they've had to keep their knife sharp. John Gruden went to the TV booth and just had people basically blowing him every year trying to get him to come coach and come take their job for an astronomical amount of money. Jeffrey Lurie told Chip Kelly to pack a shit and get out of the building. Two weeks later, Jed York hired him. Eight months later, Jed York said, get out of here. Less than a year later, Casey Wasserman and Troy Aikman were on their knees begging him to come. Well, Chip Kelly lives in this false little world of thinking he's really good, even though all he's done lately is fail. Like, literally for the last like, four years, failure, failure, failure. When you fail, like, if you fail and no one helps you out after failure, like, you can't get a job right away, You you don't have a choice but to be introspective. Like, you have to change. Why would Chip Kelly ever think he has to change? People just kept offering him $30, $40 million. And now he's not clearly, he's just not working that hard. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, we, we have the facts. He, he doesn't recruit the top guy. He can't land him. He, he cannot land him. And I'd and say this, and I've said it from the beginning. UCLA brought this upon themselves. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. You DM me, and I will read your question on the show. So let's uh, read my first one. Hey, John, asked your question a few weeks ago. Never heard it on the show. My bad. But I have another question, and I'm dying to hear it. professional. That's me. Answer it. So can you please answer? That I will. My question is this. Brady has taken numerous pay cuts for years as a Patriot. So has Gronkowski, as did Amandola and surely many others with the fact that the pats aren't paying brady over top superstar money where the hell is all the top-notch talent he should be surrounded by i feel like despite not being paid exceptional money tom is surrounded by lackluster talent and it makes me question where the hell the Pats' money is going can you please please provide some insight appreciate you uh answering pretty good question I would say this. They've just always kind of been cheap. I mean, they've never had a high-priced team. And it's the tone has always been set by Tom somewhat doing them a favor. And anyone in the league will tell you they kind of have other players buy the balls because they simply say, well, Tom's making this. You, this is what you make. And I, I also think it did give them some wiggle room. They signed Gilmore two years ago to a lot of money. I, you know, Was he worth it? That, that can be argued. For the most part, I will say this. One, usually in free agency, there aren't that many sweet players to buy. So in fairness to Belichick, there just aren't that many good players to buy. The one thing I wish he would do more, and he did this, I guess, the year when they got Brandon Cooks. I don't see why over the last several years he hasn't traded more draft picks four players when he has the cap room Uh, and I wonder if he kind of gets a little aggressive this offseason and and does that I would imagine he does but I I, as I defended and said earlier on the podcast this was a perfect storm he drafted a starting left tackle when he drafted a starting running back and one tore his Achilles and the other just got banged up Uh, the Josh Gordon move showed he was a little desperate and Gronk got old overnight You know, Gronk was good last year, and right now he's a shell of himself. Feels like it's over. So that that happens in football. That's why Belichick would probably tell you, and he did tell us, he tried to trade Gronk last year. Tried to get rid of him. And that's when Gronk says, I'll retire. I'm not playing for the Lions. Now, would the Lions, would that have been a first-round pick? What if Belichick would have had three first-round picks? You know, Gronk used his leverage, and, and rightfully so. But Belichick wanted to move on. And he kind of got stuck, and Gronk you know, is one of the what top five famous players in the league, non-quarterback, has Robert Kraft's ear, and he is Gronk. He's still a good player, but he's nowhere near what he once was, and it's kind of killing them. They're an offense that kind of went as Gronk went. Obviously, they go as Brady goes, but when Gronk was humming, they were unstoppable because that would mean usually Gronk was humming, Edelman was solid, Edelman's not the same with his ACL injury. They don't really have an outside receiver. I mean, two years ago, when they had Brandon Cooks and he was playing well, Gronk was healthy, Edelman was healthy. I mean, they were good. I guess Edelman got hurt in training camp, actually. So, in theory, that, that offense should have been good, right? Deion Lewis, James White, Edelman, Hogan, Gronk, Brandon Cooks. Like, on paper, that was an elite offense. That was an incredibly set-up team. I hope Jimmy Garoppolo was their backup. So I, it's it's low hanging fruit right now to pick on Belichick. This this happens. They're just having an off year. I, I think they'll be fine. You know, I, I love Sony Michelle coming out of college. I, I think he's going to be a good player. He just had a rough rookie year. Hey John, big fan of the podcast. Uh, the Cowboys have uh, two All Pros out and a third playing with a knee brace on his elbow. Tyron Smith's elbow is massive. Uh, you, you know what's crazy? Really quick on Tyron Smith. He was, he's your classic, like, Julio Jones of left tackles. Five-star recruit, goes to college for three years, top ten pick, borderline Hall of Famer. Now, he's battled some injuries, or he 100% would have been a Hall of Famer. But it's just, Tyron Smith was like a blue chipper at, like, 12 years old, you know? I mean, a legit, I think he was a five-star recruit at, like, a sophomore in high school. So, just absolute monster. Uh, okay, okay. Is there merit to accepting the four seed and sitting everyone the last few games? Just like swallowing the 9-7 and record or whatever it is to have their own line as healthy as possible. It's a good question. The only problem is right now is the Eagles are kind of feisty. Now, I think they both play at 1 o'clock. I think 1,000%. If I think the, the if Washington loses this weekend, the Dallas Cowboys will clinch the division. I think you play everyone this week, try to get to nine and six, and then if you have the four seed and it's set, you one million percent just rest everyone. You rest everyone and you get ready for the playoff game. Because we've seen if the Cowboys are rested, if they you know come into a game focused and ready to roll. I've been saying this for weeks. I didn't really overreact that much to the Colts game. Like The Cowboys had won a bunch of games straight. They just come off two crazy emotional games, right? Really three emotional games. The Thursday night game on Thursday day game on Thanksgiving when Amari went nuts and they kind of got it rolling. Then seven days later, they beat the Saints when they were heavy underdogs. Then, you know, 10 days later, they beat their division rivals and kind of unofficially win the division that night. Like those were just three incredible stretch of games for the Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett kind of got humming again. And, you know, I I still think they're high-end, like most people. I mean, Dak's got his flaws. But when he's just managing the game, when Zeke's humming, when their defense and the pass rush is flying, and Amari's making plays, the team is damn good. Hey, John, big fan. Me too. Do you think Joe Mixon can develop into a top-five running back next season? I have him on my fantasy team for, like, two seasons, and he's been awesome. I I, I do think that top-five running back... You know Zeke's in the peak of his powers. Christian McCaffrey's a baller. Todd Gurley's still going. Le'Veon will be back. Uh, I, I'm probably leaving out someone. You know Alvin Kamara's still a badass. I guess Kareem Hunt's out of the league right now. Yeah, I mean I, I definitely think he has the talent. Uh, loved him at Oklahoma. He actually this year when they were, what the Bengals start like five and one or six and two or, or, or whenever they whenever they started pretty well, that they were – he was a stud. And I had a buddy text me probably like week five or week six. He's like, bro, buddy in the league, like you got a peek at Joe Mixon. He is a baller. And I just remember typing his name into Twitter and they had his highlights from that game. It was like week three. And he, it was just like, oh, my God, this guy is legit. The His problems going to be is who's his quarterback? You know, if it's Andy Dalton again, are they going to roll it back? Is there any threat of passing? uh I, I would say and I, this might sound a little crazy why don't the Bengals just hit reset you know trade aj green could they get a first round pick for him i got i got the answer for you yes they could i hell i might trade a first round pick for him if, if i was a general manager uh you know their defense is they have a new coach you know the, he definitely has the talent because he can run inside he can run outside he's really fast he and catch the football he 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 does possess the ability to be be a top five running back. Problem is, probably gonna have a new coach, probably a new quarterback. So does that mean a new scheme? Uh, it's just not an ideal situation. Hey John, huge Ravens fan. Do you think John Harbaugh needs to make the playoffs to keep his job? Uh, did I already answer this question last week? I, I if I think I kind of did, but this San Diego game uh, on. You know, I guess the Saturday night game against the Chargers, kind of fighting for John Harbaugh's career. You know, he wins that game. They make it to the playoffs. And I said last week, I don't think that would 100% guarantee him to come back, but I do think he'd be in pretty good shape. He made the playoffs in a year where the the owner kind of gave him the ultimatum that he broke in this new quarterback you'd probably roll it back at least one more year and to see what he could do with a full year with Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback. Because the one thing you would say, and I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan, anyone knows that listening to this, is you go, well, if they kind of added some wrinkles to this offense, their defense is unreal, why couldn't they win that division next year? You know, Ben's, who knows what Ben's going to do, he could retire at any moment. But if they make the playoffs, the more I thought about it, I think, you know, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, that is, would come back. Why does everybody doubt the Bears? They get a big win after win after win, uh, like three division wins, then they win the division. Everybody's saying they still have their doubts and how they're not a real team. I understand they had some bad losses. Well, they did. The Miami loss is bad to Osweiler. and uh, but, losses, but the losses are the week one loss, a loss in the hot Miami, and the loss without Khalil Mack and Trubisky. I can see them making an impact in the playoffs. But you see them winning any playoff games. Well, let's assume the Saints get the one seed, and if the Saints beat the Steelers, they get the one seed. Let's give the Rams the benefit of the doubt and say the Rams win these last two games. They do play Arizona and then San Francisco. They get the two seed. Let's say the Bears get the three seed. Then you got Dallas the four seed. Let's give Seattle the five seed, and let's give Minnesota the six seed. Minnesota is a difficult succeed and I do think they would have the capability of beating the Bears but just say this out loud could Kirk Cousins go on the road and win a game against Chicago against that defense I my reaction is no but that team if they played well they ran the ball and the Minnesota Vikings defense played well they could win that game I I think you know, depending on the matchups, if Brady's in the first round, I would imagine that would be the Saturday night game. But Minnesota-Chicago, if that is a first-round playoff game, that is an incredible first-round playoff game. I think the Bears would be favored, if I had to guess, you know, maybe three and a half points. It's not like going to be a six or seven points. And it might be a little more, maybe four points max. But, you know, they play each other last week of the season. More than likely, the Bears, you know, well we. it's hard for me to say right now. They, they might not have anything on the line that game. But you, you could sign me up for that game. I, I would give the Bears about a 75-80% chance of beating Minnesota uh, in week one. Or I mean in, you know, division round of the playoffs. The wild card round of the playoffs, excuse me. Question for the pod. Who is on your list for the next great NFL coaching hires, Vance Joseph, seemingly out at Denver, wondered who are your top candidates would be to replace him. Uh, That's a good question. Here's what you have to know about Denver. John Elway is in charge. He answers to nobody except John Elway. He is going to want another Vance Joseph type coach, I would guess. Because who are the coaches? Like, would Mike McCarthy take that job? even though I think Mike McCarthy would be a good coach for John Elway. John Elway needs, like, it's pretty clear. John Elway's not great at hiring coaches. He he chose Vance Joseph over Kyle Shanahan. Say that out loud. His, his coaching hire last year, I mean, yeah, Vance Joseph, he had to sleep on Week 17 to keep him. Thought about firing him. Like, John, the moment you do that, it's clear it's not going to work. Think about that. You had to think year one if this guy was the coach. No shit he was going to get fired year two. I mean, y- you knew it then. So, I-, I don't know. I You know, it's not a great crop for coaches. Like, would Matt Campbell, the guy at Iowa State, take the job? Would a college coach that had a good job leave to go work for John Elway? Probably not. You know, who are the great coordinators? He does have a history. Jim Bob Cooter worked at Denver when Peyton was there. Uh, now, it hasn't gone well in Detroit. I'm I'm just throwing out a name that, you know, that John could kind of boss around. You know, that's Vance Joseph just a puppet. He does whatever John Elway wants. So, I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm a guy that usually has answers. I have no clue who John Elway would hire. Because he interviewed Vance Joseph, and he interviewed Kyle Shanahan, and he chose Vance Joseph. Say that out loud. Like, there's just, the reason he hired Gary Kubiak, that was his boy. You know, that was an easy hire. He knew him. Like, Vance Joseph was somewhat of a challenging hire. He kind of went with this young, sexy name, and it backfired. Like, do you know, it turns out John Elway might not know what he's looking for. I got news for it. Most, a lot of people don't. It's Hiring coaches are hard. Just because John Elway was a great player, I actually think he's a solid general manager. I mean, his rookie class this year has been exceptional. I don't know if he's got a great feel for a coach. Like, is he cool with a coach coming in there and just blasting some of his players? Or does you know because now the entire roster is his? Does he want you to tell him what he wants to hear? So I I don't know. I, I honestly I have no clue who John Elway is going to be hire would hire. But I do think it would. It's easily the moment he fires Vance Joseph. It's going to be one of the more fascinating hires uh, of the offseason. season. Uh, not quite sure on the Christmas schedule yet. Probably do a podcast on Monday. Uh, And then another one on Friday. May record it Sunday night after the games. And then I'll do another one on uh, later in the week. So we'll keep them coming. And appreciate everyone listening. And I'll see you next week. Uh, I guess I'll talk to you before Christmas. But enjoy the games and have a good weekend.
0: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Thank you for traveling
0: with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com withamex with Amex.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card,